the next episode of Nerd Flicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about The Mandalorian. We were going to try to do one episode at a time, which hopefully we still will be able to do. But I have been on the road traveling and uh, haven't been able to uh, kind of make our schedules align. So we're going to do episode one and two together. I'm okay with that. Yeah. As long as we're talking about it, I'm okay. Yeah. And there's so much to talk about. I mean, I feel like if you were to tell me a week ago that the the thing that I would be talking about seven days later would be Baby Yoda and McClunky, I would have wondered what the (laughs) hell was wrong with you. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about and why are you so happy about it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and one of the reasons, you know, Carrie, back when you were on the Walking with Dinosaurs tour, and you still are, and you've got, uh, you know, some more stops to make, we would always talk about yeah. where you were traveling. Uh, and right now, I am on the road in beautiful Aruba. It's like the start of a Beach Boy song. I know. You know, that song was geographically kind of fucked. Like, yeah, I thought that place. all those places were near each other, but like, Aruba no. is like near Venezuela. It's just, like, general tropical places. Yeah, but then, like, Key Largo? What? I don't, it's the northern part of the Caribbean I tropics? Know. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, Aruba is beautiful. Um, but I did spend some time today watching the second episode of The Mandalorian. Good. And uh, so we can talk about both, which is very exciting. Because, I gotta tell you, I love this show. I love it. I know. I am enjoying the hell out of it. Right, right from the very beginning. I was hooked. First scene. Boom. I'm in. It just, it it was weird. Right away. Yeah. Yeah, this is, it's really interesting to me because it's not Game of Thrones. It's not Breaking Bad. It does have some of those kind of Rogue One sensibilities in terms of the kind of gritty... Um, kind of street level nature of it mm-hmm. but it is also kind of i mean obviously very western in style but it's also yeah. kind of campy and fun too it does a really great job of balancing all of that it does and i mean if you were to say you know you're gonna have this bounty hunter and it's gonna be campy like a western and but it's in space and I was like, it's going to be shit. It's going to be, like, really cheesy. Like, B-movie bad. And it's not. Like, it has that definite Star Wars feel to it and look about it. And I can see where people are pulling these Rogue One parallels. And I think a lot of it has to deal with the cinematography. Yeah. And... Um, just the overall way that it's filmed is very much like Rogue One. And, and I think, you know, when we've talked about, you know, our new rankings of all of the Star Wars movies, as there's more stuff that comes out, Rogue One to me just shot up to like top, the top of the pack and it still has. And this is like right around in that area. It, this is impressive. And I've heard, 
a lot of people say, some friends of mine that are very critical and very, very picky about Star Wars, very passionate, let me say that, just very passionate about Star Wars. And they're like two episodes into The Mandalorian, and I am way more invested in these characters than I am with this new trilogy. That's interesting like to with me. with Finn and Rey and all of that. They're like, I'm all, I am so on board with this. Like, this is, this is, and I'm putting words in their mouth, but in, in essence, they're like, this is my Star Wars. Like, this is what I've wanted. This is great. Like, I feel a part of this. And I, they, they haven't connected with the whole Finn, Ray, Poe story. But with this one, after only two episodes, they're all in. Yeah, I think this is, it's really interesting the way that they have approached this show. You know, I don't think that they've gone all in for the kind of gritty, kind of used future Star Wars. Uh, but then at the same time, they haven't gone all in on like the, the all out fantasy. It's, it's, it's strange because they keep a lot of balls in the air. Cause it, while it can be a little bit almost hokey at times and kind of corny, uh, it is also somewhat gruesome at times as well. Yeah. So they really do a great job of balancing all of that, but they also keep it fun too. I, I just, I'm really, really enjoying what I've seen of it so far. I don't know. Like I've connected, I connect to all of Star Wars. I love living in this world. So I love yeah. the old trilogy. I love the new trilogy, the new characters. I love the new stuff that they're putting out. I mean, you know, this is, this is the kind of world that I like to, you know, put my imagination into so uh, i think it's it's really exciting to to be part of this right now i think they've done such a great job even with the short episodes they're they're very compact they are and it's it's it blows my mind that in both of these episodes there really isn't that much dialogue like right. so much of it is so is silent but yet the storytelling is so good. Yeah, wait, like the first words spoken in English in the second episode come several minutes in. Yeah, it's like almost 10 minutes or so, I think. Yeah, it's it's a lot. So they do a, they do a lot with a little. I mean, I think I like that idea. And it kind of it kind of treads into this area that a lot of I think television producers have hinted at that maybe we don't need that there's this belief that you don't necessarily need a 50 or 60 minute show to be able to tell a compact story or also in terms of how people consume stories now so i think there's a little bit of that going on too well and i love the fact that they are doing this as a series. I mean, there's long been rumored of some kind of a Star Wars series. And with having a series, you can explore so much more than you can if you were just doing a movie. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really glad that we are, it's like we're being given this gift. You know, of this amazing world that's been created. And I can't wait to see what else it is that is revealed in it. Because 
there's tongues wagging over what could be possible with this show after only two episodes. It's I I have a feeling where they might be going. I I'm not sure. I have I have theories already. Oh, we'll have and to talk And I'm about those. really really excited about the possibilities of this. As yeah, I'm I'm as I had mentioned before with what I've heard other people saying, I am on that bandwagon after only two episodes. I'm like, yeah, I'm all, I'm all in. I'm on board. Good. I think that's the way to be. I think uh, this is a lot of fun. It's a great time to be a star Wars fan. There's so much cool stuff coming. And on Disney plus, I know there's the whole McClunky thing, which is amazing and wonderful, but the way that they have restored those, the versions that actually appear on Disney plus are they look gorgeous. I have not watched them yet. I mean, of course, I went to go and see that scene in A New Hope because I was like, really? That's, I mean, come on. Why would you? No, they totally did. He totally, totally did it. I don't, I don't understand. It's a whole other discussion, possibly. I don't know if we want to get into that necessarily. I mean, you've brought it up twice, so we might as well. Okay. Why? I, I just I don't understand because it doesn't lend anything to any of it. It it the scene still is the same. It doesn't give us any kind of new insight. I guess supposedly that's Hutts, which I don't I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. The the language that Jabba the Hut and the Huts speak. Oh, Hutties. Hutties, Hutts. Where did that come from? Um, yeah, the Jabba the Hut language, Hut language, and supposedly that means like this is the <laughs> end of you oh, i feel like your mama yeah well <laughs> that's what i was thinking i'm like they, they slipped in a your mama joke into star wars um no it was something like this is the end of you or, or something like that and it's like but it still what does that give us i mean it's not even subtitled as such and there's nobody that actually knows this um so why i don't it's know it's so it's so weird I, I don't know there feels like i don't know i have nothing i have nothing to offer here uh as far as answers these movies and will I'm always so, be changing oh and that pisses me off it's like i want to slap his i want to slap george lucas's hands stop it just let it stop it cue elsa let it go <laughs> just come on yeah, I don't know. But it is very funny. And it's it just it's one of those weird things. It's funny because it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, it's not funny because it's actually funny. It's in, it's funny because it's just so absurd. And it becomes food for the internet snark machine. There was, oh, there was, uh, somebody, somebody tweeted out that McClunky is the name of Greedo's sled. And that made me laugh really hard. Oh, <laughs> it's his rosebud. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's talk about The Mandalorian. I'm going to talk about the first episode first. Because another thing that's really fun about this show is there are like a bajillion Easter eggs to all different aspects of the Star Wars universe. But a couple of things I really, really enjoyed about the first episode that really stood out. One, they do a great job of establishing in the kind of opening few minutes that The Mandalorian, whose name we do not know, however... It has been said by Pedro Pascal that his name is Din Jaren or Dine Jaren. Okay. 
but we never really get his name. But they do a great job of establishing that this guy is a badass, right? Uh, the way that you know he he collects that bounty on that guy, and the way that he um, he shows up behind him on the ship on that row of the case, the cases of the carbonite frozen guys. It's really, yeah. really well done the way they execute that scene. The, yeah, that whole thing, it's such a Western, you know, as he enters into that little cantina and makes that collection, I can take you warm or I can take you cold. And it's like, he's such a badass right away. Yeah. I really, right I away really. Is established. Yeah, they did a great job of establishing that right away. And then while also giving us some classic Star Wars stuff, you've got the pub full of rogues you know you got the kind of the classic cantina where you can see all the yeah. different characters you got the one guy who looks like an anteater who who plays a flute to call you an uber i don't understand that but which is which is my friend chris bartlett by the way hi chris oh if you're listening nice very cool yeah uh yeah i used to call that character dick nose well he's uh credited in this episode as the ferryman the ferryman. Oh, that's cool. The I ferryman. get it. Yeah. I get it. I like that. <laughs> that makes a lot he of plays sense. Plays the actually. nose flute. It also establishes very early on that he doesn't trust droids, which I think is really interesting. It's mm-hmm. kind of a rejection in a way of like the R2 unit or like R4 or R8 or whatever the hell they call them. But, yeah. you know, those, uh, Th- that really does kind of lay the groundwork for it. I really, really like that. We also get great creature design too. That walrus oh looking gosh. creature that pops oh, out of the water. It. Stunning. I love, I love it. I love the atmospheric creatures that they have in this. There's more of that in episode two. Um, that's yeah. something that, um, Jim Henson did a lot in his productions like Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal, which they continued on with the most recent Dark Crystal that's on Netflix, um, where they have these atmospheric scenes where you're seeing just some of the landscape and some of the animals that are inhabiting that area. I love stuff like that. And they did that with, with, um, the show as well. Yeah, I mean that's what's so great about it. There's there is so much of classic Star Wars that's that's here in terms of the like I said before the the cantina, you know, the creature design, all of that stuff. And then you also get this kind of pull through that happens with other parts of the Star Wars universe. Like we understand through some flashbacks that he lost his parents in what appears to be an attack from the Clone Wars period and so that's kind of pulled through from the prequels and there's mention of the empire having fallen you know i think this is set five years after the empire so it's really serving as more kind of connective tissue for this overall universe that we're living in which i think is really great yeah i i love how they set up all of this i mean it the the pacing of everything, I think is really, really well done. Uh, you know, as I had mentioned before, I think the cinematography, the way it's shot, just the look of everything, it feels part of Star Wars. It really does. And can we talk about the callback to the, I think, multiple callbacks to the Star Wars um, holiday special? 
Yeah, there's a mention of Life Day. I got that. The mention that of the Life one, Day. Uh, yeah. the, which the, is the, which is today, actually. The day that we're recording this, it's actually Life Day. Happy Life Day, Carrie. <laughs> Are you wearing your red robe? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Well, okay. I, I, I do not have a red robe. For next okay. year, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there is a Life Day reference. Yep. And then there's also reference to the Mythosaur. Yes. Which is what well, that's we first true. See. That that would that that would be a Christmas special because that's where we first see Boba Fett, and th- he fights the Mythosaur in that episode, isn't it? Yeah, and he has that. And he has that. Um, well, isn't he riding the Mythosaur in that? Is he riding it, or does he like slay it? I think I I don't I don't remember. I just remember he's introduced riding that damn thing. Oh, maybe. I don't remember. But, but yes, I, he has that like rifle thing that looks like it's got a tuning fork on the end of it. Right, which is exactly what the Mandalorian carries. And like disintegrates fucking Jawas with it. Yeah, crazy. Holy like, crap. All that was the, crazy. And I think that's part of what stands out about this show is it feels like it's made with a lot of love for yeah. the, 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 the canon, you know? Yep. Which I think is great. Yeah, and and that gives so many things for people that are so invested in these to be able to pick apart, or not pick apart in like a negative way, but be able to find those little hidden Easter eggs that your casual viewer wouldn't uh, get, that they would just pass over. And there are so many. There are so many. I was looking to see what other Easter eggs people had found, and like everybody has found... Seemingly something in almost every scene of this show. So I think that's... I that love it. Parts, part, it's part of what makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, also, have it. you started ending your conversations with I Have Spoken? Yes. <laughs> Wait, and can we just talk about the design and portrayal of this Ugnaught? Yeah. He Terrific. looks amazing. The animatronics for his mouth are done so well. The lip sync is a little weird at times, but it, that's sometimes par for the course with animatronics. They can be weird. However, I love the way that they designed this character and and left whoever it was that they got to be in the prosthetics. Their eyes are so expressive. And they did such a good job because when you are in like a half and half kind of situation like this where you have these prosthetics and you have an animatronic and then it's your own eyes that are showing. Sometimes if you're not connecting with uh, the other performers, because if you think about it, there's multiple people that are operating or bringing this character to life because you have the puppeteers, the animatronics uh, team and, and the actual physical performer. And then also the person, Nick Nolte, who's doing the voice of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's all these people together in tandem that are bringing this character to life. And sometimes when you have a performer like that, it's like they can almost be like dead in the eyes or it's not connecting or something, but there is so much life in the face of this character i was just anytime he was on screen that's all i could look at because it was so engaging yeah the way this character was brought to life it was just really really well done and i just could not stop watching him because it just looked so real 
Yeah, I agree. I think it is terrific work. And it, it does, it does sound exactly like Nick Nolte, you know, like Nick Nolte's no, not is. really doing like a voice or anything. He's just being himself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's it's, fine. Um, legacy, it's legacy effects are the ones who um, did all of the creature works for this. And they have done an amazing job because there's another character that we will talk about later that I think they did an amazing job on. Mm. I'm, oh, I love it. So since you're talking about being able to be expressive behind prosthetics, I wanted to bring up Pedro Pascal because I love Pedro. I have uh, loved him as the Red Viper. I think he in Game of Thrones, I thought he was tremendous, uh, which was one of my, my favorite characters from those books as well. And I was very excited to see him in this role. I was surprised that we have not yet seen him with his mask off. Because you might as well right. just have anybody back there. Well, and that makes me wonder, too. I was like, is that really him that's doing it? How do we know? There's no way for us to know. But that being if he's said, even in these first two episodes. But that being said, the mask acting, which is a thing, is a real thing. It, the mask acting is. Uh-huh. is great. He's very good. It's incredible. It's it's the stuff that they that he is doing with it. It's so much subtlety. It's just a slight tilt of the head. It's all within his body language with how he's holding his carriage, his arms, his, I mean, when you, this is something that I used to teach people. Um, I used to teach costume and like mask acting like this, that there's so much that you are able to convey and it, you don't have to have um, facial expressions you know, you can have just a, a helmet like this, or you have a character head on and it has this frozen expression on its face. You can bring so much emotion without, you know, any kind of animation happening on it just by how you tilt your head, by how you hold your arms, by how you, you know, position your shoulders and your legs. You are acting with every inch of your body and and you're just not using... You know, you don't you don't have the luxury of, of being able to use a facial expression because much like this Ugnaught that I talked about, how there's so much expression in those eyes, you know, you don't have that when you have um, a costume like with the Mandalorian and how you're able to convey so much. Granted, now he has a voice, but he doesn't really speak that much. And yet so much is able to be conveyed and I think a combination with how it's shot with the wonderful skill that he's doing, it seems like it would be something so easy. Yeah, he just has to stand there. And, you know, there's this voiceover in ADR that, you know, they do. It's not that simple. Um, and then also combined with the music, which is something I know we will talk about, it's able to convey so much. And this is done really really well this is not easy stuff and they make it look easy yeah i think you hit it right on the head i mean you basically said everything that uh that i think (laughs) needs to be said about that because it is this is this is my passion this kind of stuff so I, i love that it's being brought forth in you know the world of star wars i can talk about all of this you know it's like it's it's hitting all of my worlds are colliding in this, you know, in this show so far. And I, I absolutely love it. Now, that being said, I, I do think the mask needs to come off at some point because it's it has hard to. to. I mean, 
Well, for, it's Pedro Pascal. He's he's an incredibly handsome man. It, we've got to see that face. Well, it's not only that. It's also the idea that, one, they've actually said, you always keep your mask on, which means that it has to come off at some point <laughs> right. because it's been it's been verbalized by a character within the show. But from yeah. an audience perspective, you it, it's hard to connect with the character behind a mask. And yet we have, though. And and yet we have, you know, like I said, you know, two episodes and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm all in for this. I feel vested in him. I feel that I've connected. You know, we've we've seen, you know, flashes of him as a child and we've we've seen so much of him as his as his um I guess character, so to speak. I mean as as in personality um because of his choices that he's made. And, uh, yeah, without even seeing his face, I feel that I've connected with him. I still need a little bit more from the character, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure his purpose yet. I get that he's just kind of trying to make his way, but we haven't really seen the logic behind his decision making. It hasn't really been established yet, which I hope we'll, we'll get there. I'm sure we will. Because a lot of, uh, in a weird way, he's kind of just a projection of the audience's feelings, you know? And I think we have to close that distance with the character, and then I think the the show will take off even higher. Uh, but we definitely have to have the mask off moment because, you know, it, it does help the the connection to the character helps with the empathy and, and with that kind of stuff and you're right we ha- we can empathize with characters we can feel for certain characters we can love characters whose faces that we ne- we never see but we know that there is a person under there it's not a droid or anything like that so i think it is important to see the person underneath the mask yeah and i'm wondering um you know, speculating beyond these these two episodes so far, I'm wondering because we have not seen his face, because it has been said, "Oh, you you know, keep your helmet on all the time." I'm wondering how it's going to be revealed. I'm I'm have a feeling it's going to be a it's going to be a big deal. I can't imagine that it's just going to be like, "Oh, let me kick off my shoes. I'm on my my you know, I'm on my ship and nobody's here. Let me just take off my helmet." You know, it's just going to be so casual. I I would think right. that they would make a bigger deal about it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, obviously, there's also a lot of stuff in there about you know uh, about their home planet and how they're kind of exiles, and you know, it seems as though they have now had to set up shop somewhere else. We don't exactly know where they are. And how many Mandalorians are left out there. Um, so we don't really know. And we don't really know what his relationship is to his people. We know he kind of keeps some of the traditions. But there's still that whole piece of it that we don't know. I do love the armory scene. Where we see that shoulder yes. plate being made for him. Yeah. There's a very cool little trick in there that happens... Uh, another great little visual gag, not even a gag, but a great little piece of storytelling where you see the fires reflecting, the fires of the forge reflecting in the um, mask that he's wearing. And yeah. it actually makes him appear as though he is the uh, mythosaur sigil 
on the Mandalorian oh. flag. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's a it's a cool little visual detail that's in there. Mm, nice. So obviously there are a lot of other characters that we still have to learn a bit about. Uh, a couple of other characters I do want to touch on. IG-11, voiced by one of my favorites, Taika Waititi. I love that. I had no idea that it was him until I saw the credits. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, but when you watch it again, you totally hear him. Yeah. I, my God. Um, So I don't know how you felt back watching Empire Strikes Back back in the day. And we see IG-88, who is the same type of droid. And mm-hmm. it's like you have this these bounty hunters where you've got Boba Fett and you have Bosk and you have the one guy. I don't know who it is. It looks like he's got a bandage around his head or something. Oh, and then, yeah. I don't remember what his oh, name my was. Goodness. They have it was Darth Vader, and it's almost like he's having his little, like a little bounty hunter like audition. Like, hey, go and find you know Han Solo, whatever. Um, then there's IG eighty eight, and it was like, look at all these guys, these badasses, and then you got this weird looking droid dude okay and then you see ig11 in this like holy shit he's a badass yeah that is amazing i love how they animated him i love the way his body turned around i love the way that they made the little sections of his pointy head move and it kind of made a face and oh it was so good i was fascinated by this yeah it's almost like we've seen all these droids that have very human characteristics and this is not the case with ig-11 no not at all yeah there aren't many human characteristics in there and the voice work is really great there's a little bit of comedy in there with the self-destruct bit and you know those kind of things too i hope we see more of ig-11 i don't know that it's a one and done character necessarily i mean droids can be repaired or they could just be in ig 22 or 33 or 44 if the numbering stays similar uh yeah, you know who we, knows we don't know yeah i mean and and it could always be a taika watiti voice that'd be amazing absolutely i am here for the taika waititi uh <laughs> being in the star wars universe yeah Lots of crossover between uh, Marvel and Star Wars and Game of Thrones. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. Absolutely. So, another another character that I wanted to talk about also is Werner Herzog. It is impossible to not love Werner Herzog. I mean, as a as an actor, as a director, he is just, I don't know, he's just so much fun to watch. And his performance in here, I, I really hope I, I see more of him, but it got me going back to the episode of Parks and Recreation that he was in in season seven. And it is just very, oh, very funny. He was the, the, um, land speeder, like, driver, right? No, is he is, is he? um, I know the name, but I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. So fill the rest of us in who are. Yeah, the same he's, he's the client who's, he basically is the one who is surrounded by the, uh, stormtroopers who are, I guess, working in the underworld now. And he basically gives the Mandalorian the, uh, Oh, 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 he's, yeah. he's the, um, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got like the, the, um, 
empire symbol around his neck. Yeah, that well, you're talking about. Interestingly enough, there is another symbol that I did not catch, but somebody else uh, seemingly caught this. That apparently he is wearing something, uh, a sigil or a symbol of the Kaminoans. Like the clone people? Yeah, the people who made the clones of Django Fett. Oh, the ones that look like Benedict Cumberbatch. We I had guess. that whole conversation, I think, when we were talking about the prequels. You don't d- just just go back and and look at them from the prequels and tell me that does not look like Bene- Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> These alien things, anyway. I think on our Facebook page, I posted a side by side. I was like, it <laughs> looks just like them. Now that you're saying it, now I, now I remember. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Okay, anyway. Uh, um, <laughs> anyway. Where was yes. I? What was I talking about? <laughs> Werner Herzog. Oh, the Camino ends. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's what he wants with uh, with the star of this show. And really, really, <sighs> this show shouldn't be called The Mandalorian. It should be called Baby Yoda and Pedro Pascal. <laughs> like... Uh, look, listen. Well, we need to, we need to find out what either one what the what the name is and what is the species that Yoda is because I'm right. I'm so tired of people saying it's baby Yoda. No, it's not. It's not baby Yoda. Right. It's baby but, whatever that species is. But right, I'm calling it baby Yoda because we have no frame of reference for it. <laughs> we don't know if it's male or female or if that species nope. even has a gender. Like we yeah. don't know anything about it, so it's going to be baby Yoda. Just as a point of reference. Well, that species does have a gender because there was another one of those species on the Jedi Council with Yoda in the prequels, and it was a, a woman, a female one. Are we sure? I'm 99% sure because now okay. you have me doubting it. Um, as no. far as I know, yes. But anyway, um, but, but also Baby Yoda. Is Baby Yoda a he or a she? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know that. Mm-mm. I don't know, but it's freaking adorable. Oh, so, okay. I, I, The reason why I need to talk about Baby Yoda is not just because this is adorable, but it is fascinating and unbelievably clever the way they executed this. Not yes. just as a storytelling device, but the actual execution of the character itself. Because the lead up to, is that what you're saying? I mean, well, I mean, first of all, there are a billion ways that the design of the Baby Yoda could have gone wrong. Yeah, thank God it wasn't like the original Yoda in the prequels. Ugh. Right? Like, yeah, look at the Phantom Menace puppet if you want to see one of the ways it could... Like, it could have gone so wrong to to even entertain the idea of making that is like is like treading on very thin ice. But yet, they pulled it off and created something. It's going to sell a billion toys. Yeah, take that, Porgs. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> Take that, Ewoks. Unbelievable character design here. Yeah, uh, but I agree. But from a storytelling perspective, it's a really, really cool choice because... One, it is a total mystery. Like, we know nothing about 
Yoda species, right? We don't even know what they're called. We don't know where they're from. Yeah. Nothing. Nope. So the mystery behind it makes it really interesting. But then there's also the why does the client want this thing? Oh, I have an idea. But then there's also like this idea that, you know, (laughs) this is a connection. If you think about it, the world does not know that Yoda is dead. The well, the world actually, the the world, the universe may have believed Yoda died during the Order sixty six because he went into exile and was gone. So Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Yoda that was. That was kind of him operating in secret. Like every, like there yeah. was the assumption that he wasn't around. So there's this kind of mystery about it that could potentially tie the, the Mandalorian, uh, to the kind of larger world of the force and to all these other things. Or it just remains a character, um, you know, within this universe. And it, it, I don't know. There's just so many different storytelling possibilities that as a device, it is fascinating to me. So when when the Mandalorian, when Mando, I think I've heard some people refer to him as, and it kind of made me chuckle. So did um, the guy in episode two, called him Mando. Oh, that's right, he did, didn't he? <laughs> Maybe that's why people are referring to him as that. Um, that was dumb. Um, so when he's getting, when he's meeting with the client, when he's meeting with your Warner Herzog guy, um, and he says, you know, this target... That's 50 years old. Were you like, okay, this is five years after Empire. Oh, Who yeah. would be 50 years old? Who could this be? And like, I was racking my brain as to who this could be. And I was like, okay, well that, but that wouldn't be significant. Who would care that it was, you know, this or that or no, they're not 50 years old. No, they would be much older or much younger. That wouldn't make sense. And like I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Did you have any kind of running theories as the show was going on as to who you thought it yeah. would be? I thought that it could have been somebody like, if it was, a, if it was like a legacy character, it could have been somebody like Bail Organa or Mon Mothma, right. somebody like that. I did not expect this to. Th- no. I, I did not expect to go where it did. No, I didn't either. I was like, what the heck? Because, you know, as they're approaching this little pod, I was like, is it just a head? Like, what's in there? Like, I don't understand. What's in the like, pod? Is that, right? Is it, is it Luke's missing hand? Is that where it ended up? Like, what is this? I just, I don't understand what, where this is going. And the little thing opens and it was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, my jaw was yeah. on the floor. I yeah. could not believe it. Because it was like the last thing I was expecting. That was for me a moment of like television shock that I yeah. don't have very often. And I am thrilled when I do have it. Just that, yeah. that feeling of utter surprise that it was something I did not see coming. And I was so overjoyed to see that cute little fucking thing just <laughs> poking its head out. It's so adorable. It's disgusting. Um, I know it's it's wonderfully disgusting. I love and, that. And then, of course, of course, the the most shocking thing of all is that 
there are times, of course, where it is CGI, but it is also most of the time a puppet. I know it. Oh my god, I want to get my hands on this thing so badly. Yeah, I Werner Herzog it. talks about seeing it on set and oh. seeing people uh, con- like doing using uh, remotes on it. Mm-hmm. And so he called it heartbreakingly beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I know, I know. All you know what? I'm just gonna throw it out there. Legacy Effects, if you're listening. I saw that there were 10 puppeteers that were credited, at least on the second episode. I didn't count for the first one. 10 puppeteers credited on the second episode. Not a single one of them is a woman. We need to change that. I need to get on this show. There you go. That's all I'm saying. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well done to the to the creature team on this. So good. Yeah, it was a it was a a great moment in the story, and it really just opens up this adventure. I so I think that's where it really succeeded as a pilot, where you get to establish the characters, you establish the universe, uh, and then it just kind of opens up into this great adventure that's now ahead. Um, there are a few things that I think are a little bit clunky. If I had to critique it, um, okay. just because I'm not quite sure what Mando's motivations are. (laughs) I'm not sure why he doesn't, you know, why he's so, why he's deciding to bring this thing in alive versus dead. Is it that he himself is an orphan and he sees this baby as an orphan? That was my only takeaway that I could draw, that he sees a parallel between himself and and the baby. Yeah. But I just want a little bit more of that I want a little bit more to connect it, I guess. Well, and maybe he recognizes the fact or is aware of the fact that whatever the species is, is something rare and mystical. You know, it's like finding a unicorn. Right. Like, possibly. What is the, what is the galactic awareness of Yoda? Yeah, no I mean, idea. Even some twenty odd years after he has vanished, you know, what is his standing in the universe? How well known is he? Yeah, because it's pretty no clear idea. to remember things that happened just twenty years ago. So yeah. where is where where does he fit in, in into their picture? Because you could also say that if. The Mandalorian is a refugee himself and operating on the outskirts of the galaxy that they may not be as in tuned with the the things that were happening on Coruscant and all of those other things. But I would also think too, as as somebody that is a bounty hunter and and is well traveled and has to navigate through many different cultures to acquire and we see that he's very good at what he does so i would think that he would have to be in tune in order to be so successful at what he does Mm. yeah he would he would have to know how things are connected how to um how things work you know so i i think in as far as the Star Wars universe goes, he's very street smart, you know. Yeah. Um. So he would he would have to know 
this kind of stuff. So I think he's very tuned in. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's to be de- to be to be determined, I guess. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other little bits that I noticed. Uh, there was a Twi'lek in one of the scenes. And also, what is the species that Salacious Crumb is part of? Oh, I can't remember what their species is, but I kind of cringed when they saw one, like, barbecuing on yeah. the spit. I was yeah. like, oh, man. <laughs> so, like, I guess, now. I guess there's going to be, like, a Creatures of Star Wars cookbook coming out soon, maybe. I don't know. I'm We got okay to see Chewie do a wonderful job roasting a porg. Yeah, he's he's quite the culinary the master. So now we're yeah. seeing roasted whatever Salacious Crumb species is. I can't remember. I know, it's, but- it has some weird name. It's like frog something, and I would just or monkey or it is is reference to like an earth animal in it. And I just I don't like the name of it, and I think my brain just kind of deleted it. I don't remember, um, but I would like to see it on the menu at um, Galaxy's Edge somewhere. Would be nice. Yeah, except they bumped off all the Star Wars names on the menus at Galaxy's Edge. I think now it's like a hybrid Ugh. between the original ones and, you know, saying chicken or beef or whatever. I, I have a fully loaded rant that I could go on about people's inability <laughs> to suspend disbelief. Jesus. Well, okay. Anyway. I anyway. I don't want to derail. <laughs> How uh, did that can of worms get over here? <laughs> right. <laughs> the second episode, we it, it's called The Child. So... The, what's really interesting about the second episode, I actually think it's better than the first, but less stuff happens. I mean, there yeah, are really... again, not much dialogue. Right. There are really two big components. Attack the Jawas, and then go get the egg. Go get the egg. And that's yeah. really it. Like, those are the only things that happen here. And yet, it's completely fascinating and wonderful it's it's expedited it's a shorter episode but at the same time they do a lot of great stuff in here i (laughs) i absolutely love the scene of the mandalorian attempting to fix his wounds and little baby yoda for lack of a better anything gets out of his little egg his little pod and is like, let me help you. And yeah. he just, without saying a word, he just looks at him, picks him up, puts him back in the pod, goes back and sits down, starts to, you know, try to fix his wound. And then there's the little baby again and just picks him up, puts him back in the thing. I loved it. I loved that little moment between the two of them. Yeah. It was well, so well done. And what's really cool about that, too, is force healing is something that has happened in Star Wars before. Yeah. But I don't know that it has been referenced in the movies outside of A New Hope when Obi-Wan does it with Luke. I don't know yeah. that it's ever appeared anywhere else. I I don't know. Actually, I I don't know. Cuz the the Star Wars 
canon and universe and everything is so much bigger than what I've been able to keep up with. Like, I haven't read any of the books. I haven't played a lot of the games because there's so much. I haven't seen all of the animated stuff. Um, so there's so much more that's out there than yeah. what I'm familiar with. So I honestly have no idea. But I love the fact that it's all starting to cross over. It's all starting to bleed together. That yeah. it's it's becoming more of a cohesive thing where there's stuff from Clone Wars um, or stuff from rather um, not Clone Wars, but the um, Rebels that's, you know, in the movies now. And there's things from some of the video games. Like there was a thing um, I was just reading about um it was one of the video games that was in the Mandalorian. There's stuff from, I think, um, even Galaxy's Edge that's mentioned in the Mandalorian. Um, it's, it's, oh, somebody has a shop or something that's in Galaxy's Edge, I think, and I could totally be wrong, but there's something that's referenced. Um, like, well, they reference Black Spire outpost mm. in solo for example so there's things that they're starting to weave together that's all starting to kind of come in so i love the fact that this is happening that there are things that have been referenced um that it's just it's massive and i love yeah. that it's all being recognized so that, that's cohesiveness possible. Yeah. That cohesiveness also applies to the character himself. And we see a little bit of that in this episode. Like in the first episode, we heard about the mythosaur. Mm -hmm. And in this one, we see him with the flamethrower, the same, the same. Yeah. As, uh, Django Fett and Boba Fett, the grappling hook. Yeah. You know, those are kind of classic bounty hunter, Mandalorian. Uh, things and then disintegrations. Oh my gosh! Oh that was yeah, crazy! I, I saw that and I was like, "That's amazing!" It yeah, it it's really interesting because there's there's a critique that can happen sometimes about intertextuality where you need to uh, where a scene exists based off of nostalgia rather than on its own storytelling merit. There like I've heard that criticism in a lot of different things, particularly in anything that has sequels or remakes or reboots or anything like that. Yeah. But this is done in it, it, it's a simple thing that is just yeah. it's just so well executed it's it's the way yeah. that if you're going to do something intertextual like that it's the perfect way to do it yeah it's it's done with purpose you know it's not hey let's let's give a little wink wink nudge nudge to the fans there you go like it doesn't feel forced <laughs> um <laughs> i hate when i'd say that when we're talking about star wars if that in itself feels forced um <laughs> again um uh, shit and then i just lost my train of thought <laughs> oh no got it back um can we just talk about how absolutely amazing the set piece is for the sand crawler oh yeah that they we have an actualized sand crawler that was amazing. And I loved seeing the Mandalorian, like, all squished into the, like, I don't know what, the control center the cockpit. I don't know what you would call it. 
of the sand crawler. That was amazing as well. But I love seeing that big door, you know, out. Th- oh, it was so good. Yeah, there, there's a there is a fight scene with Jawas. Yeah, I did not expect that. I did not nope. expect that from this show. No, it was amazing. And then you know we we also have uh, whatever Bosk's species is. Yeah, there were yeah some of those. Yeah. I don't know what their species is called, but yeah, Bosk with uh, like two Ks. Oh, I think there's like a I can't, I can't remember what it is. Um. It begins with a T. I don't remember. But, Mm. yeah, uh, just, again, very cool that we get to see recontextualized bits of Star Wars, you know? We get to understand the Jawas a little bit better. um, And how they really enjoy a good soft-boiled egg. Or a a not-so-boiled egg at all. A sashimi egg. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I mean... I mean, can you not deny the deliciousness of a good egg yolk? I don't know. I I don't want to eat hairy <laughs> eggs. Yeah, that was weird looking, wasn't it? That was a really interesting design on that egg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, it was gross. <laughs> but did that creature, whose egg Mando steals? Uh, did it not remind you of the one from Attack of the Clones? I think well, it was called, it was re- called the Reek. Well, actually, what I was thinking is that it reminded me of a character from Fantastic Beasts. Ah. From Harry Potter, where it was like a big, I forgot what they called it, but it was like a big, um, rhinoceros with just one big horn go back and take a look at at the reek from attack of the clones and tell me it doesn't look exactly like this creature only this one looks bigger yeah yeah it it very well could be i mean it's one of the things that i like about this is that the star wars universe is so vast and there have been so many different creatures and i like the fact that it's like oh well it's this new star wars thing we have to come up with all this new stuff no you don't i would like to see more of these other species these other things that we've been familiar with let us live in this universe that's been created now granted yes it is a gigantic universe there could be all different kinds of species but ground me in this world you know just again remind me that that's where i am and and go back and show me some things that i've seen before to remind me yeah of where we are and i i love that because there are so many species like you know like bosk like well yoda's species like you know salacious crumb things like that that we only have seen just little tiny glimpses of you know let us peer more into that and i'm i'm all for it yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's 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 such a cool time to be a Star Wars fan right now. N- not not if you ever go on the internet, but if you but are, you know what though? Overwhelmingly, stuff that I've seen involving this show has been positive. I honestly cannot think of anything negative that I've heard or seen about this i'm sure it's there oh yeah i have not it, heard it, it. always it I've always not heard it well it and, always and that's what be. i think is but that's what i think is so amazing with this is that 
you know, leading up to this, people were like, oh, that fandom is so terrible and they're going to hate everything. And it's like, but you know what? When it's done good, they recognize it and they praise it as such. And that's what has happened with this. I don't necessarily believe that. You don't? You haven't seen people like going crazy over this after only two episodes? I've seen people going crazy over things done well. That's what I'm saying. This is done. No, well. with negativity is what I'm saying. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. I was like, I'm yeah. so confused. I was like, that's what I just said. Um, no, I, I have to. But the fact that there is this thing and it is done well, and I think it is widespread that that is the general consensus. I think is something pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think that to a certain point. I have I have removed myself from like I don't know I, I'm trying to relate to things more personally. Yeah, you know, so I don't really I I just can't get too into caring what everybody else thinks about something that I love. You know. Yeah. Well, I, no, I think that's good that you're not letting that influence you, and I'm not letting it influence me either. But I'm always curious to kind of peer in or tune into what the grand landscape is also thinking. Not that it's going to affect what I think or that I'm necessarily using it as any kind of a gauge. I'm just, I'm curious as to how everybody else is thinking and feeling about it as well. And I've really kind of been blown away that there've been nothing but positive outpourings in regards to this and the- especially when we have things like the last jedi when we have things like the last season of game of thrones where people have been so divided to see people overwhelmingly positive about something that could have divided people just as much because it seems like people are so eager to get on that bandwagon i have not seen that See, it doesn't see, mean it doesn't exist, but I haven't seen it. You're you're about to throw me another can of worms because I, I have a whole <laughs> I have a whole rant in my pocket, uh, just right here in my pocket about yeah? how Is it weighing you down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, about how uh, people don't know how to relate to stories anymore. Everything is either the greatest thing or it's the worst thing. There's no in between. Yeah. There's no. There's yeah, and they pit things that they love against each other. It's also stupid. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. Let me get well, back I mean, to talking about can... Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, right. Go to your happy place. Because Baby Yoda is the only place. thing I care about in this dark, cruel <laughs> world. I just, I just want to get a cat. And I know that sounds random. Where did that come from? I just want to get a cat. And I want to get a cat bed. And I want it to look like the pod that Baby Yoda is in. And I want it to float around behind me. It'd okay. Be can I ask you a question about the pod? Yes. How is the pod moving? Is it being moved by Yoda and force power? <laughs> is it like somehow tethered to Mando? I, I, cause I feel like one of the questions was, is Yoda, baby Yoda, like force sensitive? But it seemed as though is. that was established right away when we first, in the, in the last shot of the first episode, where we see the pod that was resting on like a box or something that is then floating in that last shot. Um, I don't think it's floating because of his force sensitivity. I think that's what that 
vehicle is. I think it's a vehicle. It's a pod thing. Um, have you ever played with the, I think it's the, the little BB-8 controller little toy that they have? Oh, like, like the, like follow, yeah, like the one that can has, like, like follow yeah. you around. Yeah. So maybe that's something with, I don't know if it's something that, you know, there's a little, little bracelet. But little who's driving? That. I don't think anybody's driving it. I think it's it's an autonomous vehicle. But how does it know who to follow and when? I I I don't know this technology. This was the this was my big my big question. Like if if part of it is is this character force sensitive, I feel like it's automatically answered if he is piloting that thing or she if baby Yoda is piloting that thing on their own. Uh or if Mando somehow has it tethered to him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe oh, yeah. maybe it's it's controlled by GPS. You know, because we have self-driving cars. How do they know where to go? I don't know. We're talking about the second episode <laughs> of The Mandalorian, right? Because now we're into, like, self-driving cars. We got into Game <laughs> of Thrones for a second. But that's the thing about this show, is the plot is so simple. He attacks the Jawas because they were stealing his shit, and he fails, so then he cuts a deal with the Jawas, and he gets his stuff back, his parts for his ship, and he takes off. That's it. That's the whole episode. But there's the subtext of Baby Yoda trying to do some, like, force healing powers, and then, of course, it looks like uh, Mando is about to buy it, and we see some very cool force levitation from yeah. the little green one. Yep. I knew it was coming. You know, I knew it was coming. I loved it anyway. Yeah. I know. I know. Predictable, but totally for it. Yeah. And there are a couple shots in this episode, particularly in, in, in episode two, where you can actually... and I'm. On the whole, I think that this show does a really great job with its CG because it's yeah. the way that people interact with the things that are CG. Most of it is practical, yeah. but the CG stuff all works really well. But there were a couple of shots in this episode. There's one in particular where the sun is on Baby Yoda and you can see that it is an actual tangible puppet in scene. Yeah. And it looks phenomenal. That's when I think CG and practical stuff works the best when they are there to enhance each other and the the production doesn't rely heavily on one or the other. And it's a nice blending of the two. And they did a really good job with that in this. I agree. I agree. I I, I just think that character design is is like, everybody looks at this Baby Yoda thing, and they're like, wow, that's really adorable. It's almost disgustingly adorable. It's a cute, 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 cute. But I actually Impressive. think that it is an achievement. Like, yeah, a it's... phenomenal achievement. Yeah. It, it, like, it's... I can't even I can't even express <laughs> in my head how difficult I think this had to have been to do. Uh, very. And then also the performance of it. And and the the mechanics of the way that it moves because uh, animatronics are such um, <laughs> they they are such a tricky thing and 
there are not many animatronics figures that are going to be seen so closely on screen like this. You have this tiny right. baby. And plus also thinking that the animatronics in this are are housed in such a small little package. You know, that's that's amazing that they are able to get so much movement out of this thing in such a small little tiny package. Yeah. But also to have it be one to have the animatronics be so smooth. It doesn't move clunky. It doesn't move um too fast or where it looks robotic or anything. It yeah. moves in an organic manner because the camera is pushed in so tightly on it. That's amazing to have it so close like that. So many tight shots right up in his face. And to have those eyes and those ears, oh my gosh, the ears are so expressive. Yeah. Really, really well done with the puppeteering team on this to to, to get those ears to move in the way that they do when they do. And they have um, that kind of cool translucence too. Yeah. I haven't, you know what I didn't notice? I haven't noticed. And maybe it's because he hasn't done too much head side to side movements because one of the things that I loved about the original Yoda that they incorporated when they did the CG Yoda is that little ear wiggle. How his ears will kind of wiggle a little bit. Like yeah. He's talking you're the first person who ever made me notice that. And yeah. now I can't stop looking at it when I see the, you're like welcome. when I go back and I watch Empire. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and go back and watch and where they um, CG Yoda, they added it in there. So it's really nice. But um, yeah, he hasn't moved his head too awfully much. So we haven't had a chance to see that yet. But um, I would I would like to see that in there, which is inevitable just when you have, you know, these yeah. rubbery ears sticking on the side. It's going to happen. But um, no, it's just it's it's an incredible achievement to have such good movement when you have a character that's so closely seen on screen that has such a tight shot so it's it's got to be perfect and this is it's really good yeah i i just i admire this thing on so many different levels yeah in in the the way it's executed the way it looks the way it was realized but then like the storytelling implications too like just the idea that we're going down the road of a baby from yoda species it really does serve as kind of a game changer like it it you do wonder if this will impact somewhere into the future of star wars that we haven't gotten into it has to it has to because i have an idea i have a theory is it that baby yoda is luke is ray's mother (laughs) yes no. Um <laughs> it's Palpatine's son. That's who it is. Um All right, lay it on me. I want to hear it. So, okay. So, it's been established it said that this this quote-unquote baby is 50 years old. 50. Okay. Yes. We right. So, we know that this species ages very slowly cuz uh Yoda was like 300 something years old. So, 900 when baby, he died. Was he 300 or 900? No, he says when 900 years old you reach, look as good, you will not. Hmm? Sorry, I have a lot of of his dialogue memorized. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) My favorite one then, uh, as an aside, my favorite Yoda line, luminous beings are we. I love that. I love that whole line. Anyway, um, 
So, I like the run, 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 jump. I can be a backpack while you run. I like that one. <laughs> Stop it now. Um, so this this baby is 50 years old. Now, with the time of when this show is taking place, about five years after the Battle of Yavin, right? Uh, Endor, right? Yeah. Um, right. Thank you. Uh, so 50 years puts his birth roughly about the same time as Anakin Skywalker's, I think, if my, if my maths are correct. It's probably pretty close. So there was this prophecy at about the time that Anakin was born, that one was going to be born to bring balance to the force. Mm. And Qui-Gon is thinking it's Anakin. They've been searching for this. And, you know, all this stuff happens. And, you know, fast forward, going back to another Yoda line. And Yoda says, no, there is another. And we're thinking, oh, he's talking about Princess Leia. What if it's this kid? Ah, interesting. A little, a little retcon of the Chosen yeah. One prophecy. Yeah. What if it's this kid? Born around the same time. Okay. Obviously is, is, is very strong with the Force. What if it's this? What if mm. that's why he's so important? Why, why, the, why the people from the Empire would know about this kid? I have no idea. But why would they want this baby dead? Or, well, is it that they want him dead or that's dead or alive? Right. Why would they want it if it if it wasn't that important? I don't know. I you know, that's interesting because what my, so, my anyway. biggest my biggest gripe about the prequels is when they got way too deep into prophecy stuff. It wasn't Metachlorians? Like, I mean, but, well, not even, not even that. Like, that I just saw as kind of a, a lame-ass attempt to demythicize something that, that didn't really need I, it. Uh, like, I thought that was unnecessary. But the prophecy stuff, I think it, it really, from a storytelling perspective, it puts you in a little bit of a box. It's like painting yourself into a corner. And I don't, I didn't love the idea that it had to be prophecy. It just didn't feel necessary to me. So if this yeah. undoes some of that, that could be, that could be interesting. Um, although I think, it's, I, th- I, I think it would be interesting to explore that, you know, you think you know what the prophecy is, but it's not necessarily true. Which is kind of what it looked like Game of Thrones was trying to do at one point, which is kind of like what Harry Potter was trying to do at one point. There's a whole thing with Harry Potter that they did not even touch upon in the mm. movies at all about this. There was a prophecy about this child that was going to be born that was, you know, going to be basically like Star Wars, you yeah. know, that was going to defeat the evil guy. Well, in Harry Potter, born around the same time as Harry Potter, who actually had very similar um, things that happened at the same time as Harry Potter was Neville Longbottom. 
one of the characters in Harry Potter, there's this whole thing in the books that the prophecy could have applied to him as well. Mm. And maybe Voldemort was going for the wrong person. So anyway, but I, I, I think that it's, that would be something really interesting if that's where this is going. Yeah, that could be that could be interesting. My early theory is that Werner Herzog's character is trying to I mean, essentially what this what this feels like, we don't know for sure, but I believe it was like Mon Mothma was the head of the New Republic after the Empire fell in the new okay. canon, I believe. Uh-huh. But it does seem like in certain parts of the galaxy from what this story is trying to tell us that there is a lot of lawlessness right now. There's instability because, you know, the, when you, when you topple an empire, nothing works anymore. Like even there's a whole thing in there about money and, you know, so it seems as though there's a lot of people that are struggling and maybe a bit of a power vacuum. And maybe Warner Herzog's character is trying to fill that power vacuum and maybe having, uh, some aspect of, a species so tied to the force will give him insight or the ability to wield some power. Uh, or maybe there's something with the whole cloning thing that, that he wants to do. You know, I don't know. I think that that is probably, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I'm really surprised that I have not heard you mention. Hmm. In fact, I'm quite shocked that you haven't mentioned this yet. Oh boy. That, <laughs> That it seems like some of the premise now with The Mandalorian is based off of, I don't know if it was a Kurosawa film, but it was like from that same genre where it was like a samurai that was tasked with having to carry around this baby. Did you not? I, I hear I hear nothing. So are you I mean, not knowing? This? I, you know what? I'd have to, I'd have to go back and it's not coming up in, in my... In my Debbie. memory banks of Kurosawa <laughs> films, but you know, wouldn't surprise me if there's recall, something in there. Yeah, I don't recall if it if it was a Kurosawa, but it's 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 in that genre, mm-hmm. and it was a samurai who, um, ends up at, like going on these adventures, and he's having to carry around this baby like in a bassinet. You know, and I was like, "This is," and I don't remember where it was that I heard that referenced. And I thought, oh, this is this is interesting because, you know, the original Star Wars was kind of taken off of some Kurosawa stuff. And I thought that was a really neat homage or callback, you know, um, to that. Hmm. Uh, there's it just it seems as if there's a lot of care that has been taken into this series. And, you know, from the Easter eggs from the looks of things, references to things, um, how it's all tied in. It's, these are, it is being made by people who are fans who care about this stuff and who deeply know about this stuff. And it shows. Hmm. I agree. I think the um, amount of of love and affection that went into this. I mean, also Dave Filoni directed the first episode, and he has been such a creative powerhouse uh, within the the Star Wars community with with things like Clone Wars and Rebels, and so now he's getting his kind of directorial debut doing doing uh, some stuff on here. 
and like consulting with Favreau as well. There's just such a love for for Star Wars um, that I think it's that it's awesome. So the movie that I was mentioning, it's called Lone Wolf and Cub. Ah, uh, okay. And it I is have heard manga. of it, but it's yep. it, it, I, it was yeah. a manga, which is like a, a, yes. a like a graphic novel. Um, but then they actually had made it into a movie as well. It's old though, right? Like it's an older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a blind spot for me in my movie history. Yeah. But I am I am fascinated by where all of this lands, where Baby Yoda goes, because it could go somewhere or it could go nowhere. You know, it, George Lucas's initial idea is that Yoda is this kind of mystical character that he didn't want to give too much of an explanation to. He kind of enters the story, serves his purpose, and exits the story without getting any further um, any further background. And I wonder if they'll go that way with this character. It doesn't seem right. like they can though. It almost seems like they are like this this character is part of this story now, whether intended or not. Uh it's it's there's too much of a why factor in there to to not have him play a big role. Yeah, and I'm wondering uh, I'm wondering where they're going to go with it. And what I mean by that is and I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm having a conversation with myself in my brain because as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm thinking I don't want it. There's a train going by me, by the way. I live by train tracks, and so if you hear large train horn, that's me. Um, I'm wondering where they they're going with this because I I like the baby the way that it is right now, and I like the way that there's no dialogue. He doesn't even make a sound. And I kind of want it to be kept that way. I would like for it to remain a mute character. I don't even want to hear what kind of a noise it would make. You know, I I kind of like the way that it is. And knowing that this species ages so slowly, I don't know what is planned for this series. I don't know over what time frame this series is going to span and and is the baby Yoda just going to be encapsulated in this first season? You know, whatever it is, I hope that – I kind of hope there's that mystery that's still there. Like, I don't want to follow along while this thing you know, starts to talk or, you know, I, I want to have that mystery about it. Yeah. It's like I almost don't want to know everything. I I, I like having that mystery and I hope that they keep that. I hope <laughs> – that we learn a little bit more about this thing and why it's so important. And maybe we learn externally, like what, why this thing is so important or whatever and how it fits in. But I almost don't want to know more than that. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. However, seven days ago, I did not know that I wanted this thing in my life as badly as I do. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe yeah. it, maybe it has the maybe it's just the it has the greatest voice that we've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. This this thing has thrown me through uh, a, a bit of a loop here. I it's just the last thing I expected. 
And it's one of the, the most shocking moments I've ever had watching anything. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I will, I should say for our audience out there that doesn't know, that doesn't know anything about us personally, Yoda has always been my favorite character. Yeah. I have a Yoda tattoo on my arm. Uh, you do. Yeah. So, like, I have, and so for me, seeing this thing, it was, I don't know. It was amazing. I'm I'm still thrilled by it. So I just Are you want get a baby Yoda tattoo now. I just want a spin-off series, <laughs> like a true detective style series where it's baby Yoda and baby Groot just solving intergalactic mysteries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's I'm fine with that. And I'll just watch that every day for the rest of my life. Or they could just have a whole spin-off of Star Wars babies. But like like Muppet Babies, yeah. Star Wars Babies, do 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 do. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, uh, break out uh, Lumpy. We could have Lumpy come back, bringing it back around to Life Day and the Christmas special. Man, that Christmas that uh, that that <laughs> Christmas special getting a lot of. Uh, I love that they work those little Easter eggs in there. Yeah. Me too. Anyway, we've been, we've been talking longer than the show actually was. We have. Well, to be fair, we've talked this long about like a 90 second trailer. That's so, true. In the past. So we can we can milk stuff <laughs> just like Luke. We can. We can, we can get the green <laughs> milk out of this teat. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> See, this is what Baby Yoda has done, done to our show. <laughs> and I love it. It's, I don't know what's going to happen next. What What else McClunky. could it be? I don't McClunky. know. McClunky. <laughs> yeah, McClunky was a whole thing that happened this week. <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore, is what I'm saying. Nope. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about the next episode. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's, when, when is it? It's out. airing every... F- was it airing every Friday? Yeah, they're releasing every Friday now. They were on the they put one out with the debut of Disney Plus, and then they they got on their Friday schedule. So uh, I think eight more episodes to go, and that'll be the first season. And they're already shooting the second. They're already shooting right now. Yeah, and then I I, I need believe- I got to get out of here. I need to go get on that set. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Well, wait. You know what? Maybe they're not shooting. I, I thought they were though. I thought that, or I maybe in production, which could mean a bunch of different stuff. That yeah, they might not be. If they're in production, they maybe are not on set yet. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to the rest of this. Uh, I can't wait. It, it's 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 great to be excited about Star Wars. I love Star Wars season because we have uh, we have the Rise of Skywalker about a month away. Also, it's going to be a oh lot of fun gosh. to talk about Star Wars. I agree. All right, so you guys have heard our thoughts on the first two episodes of uh, Baby Yoda and Oberyn Martell, but we'd like to hear your thoughts as well, so hit us up on the Facebook and the Twitters at NerdflixJill. You can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher if you're listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. You can find all of our new stuff at lrmonline.com. And if you're uh, there on the website, check out the network of podcasts. A lot of great stuff for you to check out. We will be back with another recap of The Mandalorian uh, when the new episode airs. Till next time, may the Force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors.
we have spoken.